G'day everyone and welcome to another Bloody Movie Podcast. I'm Sean Coates. Thank you very much for joining me and I have a very, very special guest joining me over Zoom because we are still in quarantine. Uh, he is a filmmaker that has a fil his short film audio guide is about to be playing at the St Kilda Film Festival which has gone online also due to coronavirus from June 12th to 20th and I have him over Zoom, the director of Audio Guide, Chris Elena. Thanks very much for joining me, Chris. Ah, thank you for having me. Yes, and to audiences, just uh, keep in mind that uh, Chris is recording on his phone, so the audio might not be up to scratch, but like it, it still sounds okay, so we're going to keep going. Apologies in advance. That's right. So, Chris, um, tell us a little bit, bit about your film. Okay, so it's about... The synopsis says, a young woman has told the secrets of the world through an art gallery-issued audio guide. Um, it's pretty much that. It's about a young woman in an art gallery who is using an audio guide. And it's a small, it's a smallish gallery and she's quite claustrophobic and very, um, very much an introvert. She's having a bit of a mild panic attack because she's surrounded by a lot of people. But then she starts to notice that the guide's reading more than just the artworks on the wall. It's reading people, it's reading objects, it's reading history books. And an audio guide usually tells the past, but this thing's telling the past and the future. It's pretty much reading the entire history. If that, if that item or person has a, has a future, it'll read that. Um, so it's, that's pretty much the crux of it. It goes a little bit bonkers from there. It does. Like, it, it even reads anything. I remember there's one point where she's walking down an alleyway and it's just bin, bin, <laughs> yeah. bin, trolley. <laughs> it's a burger wrapper. Pretty much. Um, that was in the original script by Lee, Lee Zachariah. And when I read that, I was like, all right, I'm in. It, it read a bin in a burger wrapper. Oh, I gotta do it. You know, so yes, object, yeah. everything. Yeah. So did Lee approach you specifically to direct this or how, like, how did you get involved with this project? Yeah, cool. So I've known and loved Lee for quite some time since 2011. Um, he was in Sydney, uh, met him here. He's based in Melbourne. Um, but he was in Sydney for a while. We became friends. And there was a point, I think at myth 2017, if you can believe it, where he just said, I'm, I'm having a bit of a writer's block. I can't write anything for myself. And I just made a short before that, before this, that wasn't going anywhere. I'd kind of failed myself because I'd written the script myself. I didn't go to enough people to get feedback. Um, so I was unhappy with the final product based on my writing and me as a director, not knowing that I need to work on that, work on scripts more cut back dialogue really because it was there's too much there's too much dialogue which as you can tell in the way i'm speaking now and speaking in over long sentences this is how i write which was bad so <laughs> no, it's, it's fine it's a podcast <laughs> it's fine Thank you. so i went to so lee said that to me and i just kind of i don't know why i said well write something for me and he goes oh what do you mean i said write me a script and with the promise that i'll direct it um I can, I might have to change some things if we can't afford it, but I trust your writing that much. I'll just do whatever you, I'll direct whatever you write, if you don't mind. Um, and he goes, if you shoot it on film, it's a deal. And I said, well, that's, that's a given. Um, so he gave me the script about three months later and that was it. I just said, yep, I'm doing this. Um, I tried, I made a promise to him that I wouldn't change anything, but I had to change the second act. So the middle of the film, I had to rewrite that myself um because of budgetary uh, budget and um restrictions with locations on the locations uh you shot at the was it the la belle Epoque gallery somewhere in sydney yeah. uh, it's a beautiful little boutique gallery um yeah. how did you go about uh, getting that for the for the film well 
Um, art Gallery of New South Wales just laughed and hang up when I said, <laughs> oh, no. Gallery. And that, that's fair. I get why. And they won Gallery, the, uh, I think it's, I can't remember the name, but it was a massive one. And they said, um, you've got 40 minutes. You can shoot your whole movie, your 40 minutes in there. And I'm like, I, and then I had to sign NDAs. I had to sign all these things. And the cost of shooting around a gallery that had um, very old artworks was going to be dire if we broke anything or moved anything. So right. we, we were stuck. I was also going to kill Lee for writing a, a, <laughs> in a gallery. I told him minimal locations. He didn't listen. Um, but I went, I, a friend recommended it to me and I went there and I looked at it and I was, it was so small, but so intimate where I'm like, this is perfect. It's about a character with anxiety um, who has a fear of, um, who gets claustrophobic around a lot of people. So I'm like, this is it. This has to do it. Um, so it was recommended by a friend and they were very generous to us. Very generous. Well, just in that moment, like there's that moment in the film where you think she, like when then the film starts out and you think she's the only one in this gallery and then she mm. walks like around a corner and there's a bunch of people there and it all starts to get incredibly overwhelming. Like that, you yeah. really conveyed that sense of like claustrophobia and like social anxiety. Um, and just also on that, like you mentioned, uh, like shooting this on film too. Um, I think it was um, Andrew Pearson from The Curve in his review of the film that said, uh, like the fact that it was shot on film kind of matched, like had this, gave, gave it this really, like made the colours really stand out. Like made, yeah. it, it made it give like this timeless feel that kind of matched the artworks that were in the gallery. I guess, how is, your, how is the experience uh, shooting on film and how is it different? And how do you think the film would have been different had you shot it digitally? So I don't like shooting digitally, which is a very pompous thing to say <laughs> as someone with no money and very little. Um, I didn't go to film school, which I'll get into the film school story later, but I have no experience other than working with other people and shooting on film means one very specific thing. When you're, you can't rewind it. <clears throat> you can't rewind and rewatch takes. There's a way to do it, but I've said no to doing that. With film, what you're watching is the take, like is your take. You have to look at the actor, you have to look at everyone. And if anyone's cocky on a set or someone knows more than you and there's, there's nothing like that with film, everyone's on the same playing field because there's so much that has to go right in one or two takes. Um, so I, it means that I could watch the take as it was happening. I didn't have to worry about someone else looking over the take and I'm rewatching it. Um, and it made me better as a director to go, okay, no, that's the take. No, that's it. And I, I, I trust my gut feeling and, into, and instincts more when I'm watching a take on film. And I can hear the, the film going through the camera. It's like this loud helicopter type sound. Um, so you don't, there's no relaxing with film, which is good for me. I'm like, good. I don't want to rely on just rewinding a digital, take the shot digitally and ooh, it's done. That's it. No, I want to shoot it and then we have to send it to a lab and then we can watch the take later. Um, so it's more of everyone's on the same playing field. You work harder, you trust your instincts more and you work better with actors because you, as a director and an actor, you're on the same level. You're like, no, we have to get this right. Um, I am, I'm obsessed with shooting on film, but with this, it had to be film because it's a woman looking at um, the true history of things. And it's a movie about history and it's a movie about uh, the past. It, it really is a thing about the past and having, and the idea of film doing that and film making it look like an artwork is close to an artwork. So the film should look more like a painting than it should a digital image. Um, and the last bit I will say is with film, um, it had to feel timeless. Like this is a woman who's looking at a, essentially an iPod or a, a, 
a, tech, a piece of technology, I wanted you to forget what year it was and made you forget that it's a piece of new technology. So, yeah. Okay. Well, f firstly on that, just before I get into that, the, the actual audio guide, was that the, that they use, like with the headphones and the little iPod thing, was that an audio guide that the uh, gallery like uh, provides or was that just props of like, you just got a cheap MP3 player? Unfortunately, we wanted the former. We wanted to get an actual one, but we couldn't obtain one. So we looked up what they looked like and it looks like a, a shitty MP3 player. <laughs> I was like, this is perfect. We're in. And I wanted the big headphones. That was a big, some of them just have yeah. earphones. I'm like, no, no, no. This, like that's the, little, the crappy little airline headphones. Like that's exactly. normally what they look like. Yeah. If it were up to me um, and logic went out the window completely, I would have the aerials coming out. Like <laughs> if I could. <laughs> yeah. That was another thing about making it timeless. Um, having those headphones, bigger ones could tell you that it yeah. was shot 20 years ago or 10 years ago. And I was like, cool, cool, let's, let's keep going. So. Yeah, I, f I find that, f like, I never would have imagined that, like, the the choice to shoot on film rather than digital would actually, you know, change, like, I guess the in filming environment and the attitude. Like, th mm. and that's one of the things I never would have expected that it would have, yeah. you know, that one of the aspects of filmmaking that it would have affected. Uh, your, your, your lead actor in the film who plays Audrey, uh, Emma Wright, um, yeah. she had a fantastic performance. Um, <laughs> Uh, also, just one thing I wanted to know, like in terms of being on set, when she's listening to the audio guide, uh, is it just you based on your direction and the knowledge of the script? Or is there someone like offset or like maybe even in the headphones, like giving yeah. the dialogue of the audio guide? I'm just wondering, how did you go about shooting those things? Those um, things? That's an awesome question. And I haven't had anyone ask me that. So I'm like, yay, thank you for asking. Um, <laughs> we had the actor who uh, Nick's, Nick's Calder um, record the dialogue so we had the audio guide there but we couldn't time it right so i oh. just said to Emma, unfortunately you just need to act this out and go by all the prep that we've done and all the things that we we would write down the things that that character was feeling weeks and months before so she knew to do that in that moment so she had all that character prep and no she's listening to nothing in that moment, she's wow. listening to the camera. That's her. Um, and I said that to Emma, and Emma was like, oh, I didn't think we were anyway. And I'm like, that's how much of a professional you are. My God. So that's all her listening to air, pretty much. Fantastic, yeah. yeah. yeah she also bears a very striking resemblance to Saoirse Ronan as well, yep. which I noticed. Saoirse was our next choice of Emma said no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not joking, like Emma's the best. And I'm like, uh, is cool. She's great, great actress, but no, Emma. Yeah. yeah, she's able to convey like so much, just like very much. And it's also you and like your cinematographer as well, just being having a lot yeah. of these very, you know, camera very tight on her face. Like whenever, when she's learning about all the people around her, like pointing the little MP3 player at people. Yeah. And like, yeah, I would can say, because there's no dialogue in your film, like the like technically there is, but it only comes from the audio guide. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, I, I, tend to forget that when I'm watching it just as a movie, um, which I'm like, thank God. It wasn't, I had someone go, wow, you really forget it. I'm like, that's good if we had to do that. It had to be that you kind of forget that it's a, a borderline silent film. It's not quite a silent film. I want to call it that and claim it, but it's, it's not. Um, but yeah, that's all her just based on instinct and performance and us using um, close-ups. Close-ups were a big one to convey those feelings into jump cuts from a wide shot of her, put it, pointing the, the iPod to someone and then the jump cut of a close-up. So we're telling you how she's feeling as well. Like just 
giving you that extra leeway because there's no words. So, so you said that. earlier that you had uh, no formal filmmaking experience and that you, mm -hmm. uh, in the chain of a uh, text to organize this podcast, you said you were kicked out of film school after two hours. Yeah. <laughs> I would love to hear that story. Uh, if you, <laughs> um, I absolutely, I apologize to a lot of people who I've told this story to before. It was uh, 2010. I just turned 18. Well, not just turned 18. It was um, time to start uni. And it was between screenwriting, at um, creative writing and screenwriting, and a little bit of uh, dramaturgy, and, uh, dramaturgy and acting, or jumping into directing and filmmaking. Um, so I went to a film school and I'm like, all right, let me try this out. If this doesn't work, I'm going to screenwriting, creative writing, and a bit of acting. Um, I got there. There's a guy with a Where's Wally scarf um, <laughs> as I walk past and he goes, my parents are paying for this one, but my next, uh, my next degree, it's on me. And I'm like, all right, this is a bad sign. Yep. Um, and so we got there and the first thing, we didn't learn names, we didn't learn anything. It's like an orientation. He goes, everyone in the room, one after the other, tell me the movie that got you into filmmaking. Um, each, a lot of people answered. There was a lot of Seven. There was a lot of Fight Club. There was a lot of Godfather. There was a lot of, right. a couple of American Beauties. Where's Wally? Said American Beauty. And I'm like, okay. That's <laughs> that makes yeah. Um, and then it came to me and I, I wasn't trying to be a contrarian. I just had an honest answer. And I said, smoke and aces. And <laughs> where's Wally gets up and goes, go on, explain that. And I'm like, oh, why? What's, what's wrong? And then even the lecturer goes, no, come on. You can do better than that. And I was oh, like, geez. And I was like, no, what's wrong with Smoke and Aces? Oh, it's a Tarantino ripoff. And I'm like, no, that's a pity. What I had was that movie taught me about color grading and editing and blocking because it's an action film. I learned what, how actors stand in a space and how that's meant to feel organic and free flowing and how you set up a shot with that blocking. Like I learned the technical, um, like technical jargon of a film by watching an action film that most clearly right. most not interesting. Um, and I said that. And then he goes, all right, well, come on, pick another one. And I said, oh, how about Crank 2? And I, the looks on your face <laughs> yes. were just revolted. And they, and that, they said, all right, you're clearly shit-stirring. And I'm like, no, 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 I'm not shit-stirring. <laughs> These are movies that I learned things from because I'm, I need to look at non-conventional things to work out what's my thing. Um, and, they, and then I mentioned talking about shooting on film. I'm like, I'd, I'd love to work on film. And they goes, oh, no, film's dead. We're, digital's, and this is 2010, film's not dead. Um, they're like, no, we're shooting digital. When we threw out our film cameras, I'm like, come, no, don't be a dinosaur. You've got to shoot digital. And I'm like, I'm leaving. I'm out of here. And I just, yeah, left I would me. too. That's, I packed up my things and left. It was the worst experience. And then where's Wally goes, oh, crank two is a travesty. Um, and I said, can you tell me what the bag at American Beauty means? What's it stand for? Come on, Wally. And he's, he just looked mortified. Yeah. I wasn't trying to be an asshole. I was just more shocked that people were so rude. That's, so yeah. then I went to Wally. So yeah, I didn't get booted out. I'd love to say that as a joke, but I think <laughs> three, three hours I've gone. Uh, you, yeah, absolutely made the right choice there. Like I've, I've seen people like that in film classes. I may have even been, I may have even appeared like that to someone in a film class before. It's, it <laughs> I just imagine as well, like I say, okay, well, I, if even he wasn't satisfied by that point, it's like, okay, give me another film. And you say, oh, what about Southland Tales? Which and I, I can only, then, then they probably would have said, get out. <laughs> then they would have booted me out. And I, I wanted to say it too, but I knew no one had heard of it or seen it. And I was like, 
just do prank too. It sounds more more like an offence or an insult, which I do love the film. Um, but yeah, Southland Tales will be my next movie class where I get booted out. Of <laughs> Southland Tales is a bizarre film because that's another thing that you do, like outside of I guess filmmaking and what you do, like with uh, your friend with uh, your friend uh, Tim Tim Beer. My yeah, Tim, Tim, yeah. So, uh, you do this thing called a uh, beer Elena film club and i yeah. joined in for when you did southland tales and <laughs> yeah a lot of fun <laughs> that is a bizarre film <laughs> um it is it is i i saw it when it came out it went straight to video here and i'd like donnie darko donnie darko was fine but there's something about southland tales the minute the Justin Timberlake midway intermission scene happened. I was like, this is a masterpiece. I was so in love with a movie that does whatever the hell it wants. It made sense to me. I know there's there's little bits I wasn't getting, but I got the crux of it, of this is what it looks like. Someone, this is the best summary I've heard about Southland Tales. Southland Tales is the week after 9-11 when you're watching MTV and the world pretends that it's okay when it's not. It's all about yeah. a world in an LA and an America not being right, but they're pretending it is, and they're using the weirdest of distractions to, to make you think otherwise. And that's what the film is. It's a collection of weird distractions to make you think that, but it's, yeah. That is a fascinating way to look at it. <laughs> um, I was like, like kind of in awe of Southland Tales when I watched it. Um, I don't necessarily, like I, very much admire how recklessly ambitious it is. <laughs> yeah. I just think it is, I don't I will have to watch it again at some point. I just think it is like the biggest of hot messes, but I can see why a lot of people like absolutely adore it. Yeah. And also just the rocks, like Mr. Burns-esque, like hand finger spasms. Yeah. Are oh, genius. How does he do it? <laughs> I was convinced that, Dwayne Johnson was going to be the next best actor winner with that performance. And then the weird lines with those Mr. Burns hands. <laughs> I had Eloise, uh, I think Eloise said to me in person, she goes, oh, thank you for Southland Tales. I'm like, I didn't make it. <laughs> she goes, no, you kept talking about it. You wouldn't shut up. Yeah. Um, and I've had friends turn to me halfway and go, I hate that someone made a movie for you. And I'm just like... <laughs> But one thing I will add um, that does tie into what I love about movies and what I like the tying into that film score thing. Um, I love a movie that just works by its own rules. Um, I love that something that bonkers will make you have twitching spasms midway to go, what in the fuck am I watching? And I'm just like, oh, I love it. Um, But yeah, I do. That is one of my, it might be my favorite movie. I'll have to admit it one day. So um it's fascinating did um but getting back to audio guide for a moment um this film is um it's doing really well as we said at the top of the show it's about to play at the st kilda film festival in you know in a couple of weeks time but it um did it make its world premiere at the sci-fi film fest in your hometown of sydney it did um simon i'd spoken to simon he goes i said oh how you going because yeah i'm doing the sci-fi film festival has he got any films for me and i said i kind of do I didn't. I never thought of it as a sci-fi film, but it kind of is. And he goes, "Get it ready by August. You have to have it ready by August." I need to be working part. No, no pressure. 
Yeah. And I was like, oh, August. Oh, it's, what is it now? Oh, it's June. Oh. And I hadn't started. <laughs> so it you hadn't like, even oh. started at this point. Wow. No. Okay. That's one thing about shooting on film. Um, I had to wait a month for the rushes to come back because I was paying oh. for them. That's okay. That's self-funding. I was happy to do it. And I knew the rushes were good. All that mattered was, was it in focus? My DOP, Kim said yes. So I was happy to wait the month. So we got it and we started editing in late June um, and then finished in late August and showed Simon. So yeah, that was world premiere. Oh, fantastic. And that was in like September that that, that was the screen. Yeah. And mm. I believe looking as well, what the film did, it played at a festival in Liverpool too. Yes. Uh, Sydney, Liverpool. It's not UK. I wish oh, it was Liverpool. Oh, <laughs> What's it like over there? And I'm like, well, it's a 20 minute drive, so it's not too bad. (laughs) (laughs) But something that is a little bit more of a 20 minute drive as a festival that you you got to be an international guest for was when it played at a festival in uh, San Jose, which um, turned out to be a little bit problematic for you because um, you were stuck in California for quite some time. Well, I was only stuck in there for 24 hours, thank God. Um, and I wasn't loving LA, which don't tell anyone. I wasn't a huge fan of it. It was like Southland Tales became a city. And I'm like, oh, it's um, very chaotic, very messy, very... It was a lot. I was, in, I was enjoying it, but I was a bit, a bit overwhelming. Um, and then with the pandemic happening, I'm like, well, this isn't good. 24 hours, I was stuck there. Um, and then we just got out of there and then shit hit the fan. Um, but the festival, we got two out of four screenings and the two screenings went amazingly. So I wasn't too fast, to be honest. And they, I'm just wondering as well, because they played before feature films, correct? Yeah, Audio played before. It was one feature that we were joined up with and we had four sessions. Um, so it was Audio Guide, then the feature would play. And that was a world premiere for that, that feature. Okay, awesome. And I'm guessing because it's a feature, do you still do Q&As before the, at your screening of the film or is that just mainly for the features? If they brought the um, and the filmmaker, I've got to give him a shout out, Quinn Armstrong, and the movie's called Survival Skills, which I hope it makes it to Australia because it's amazing. Um, it's like a VH, it's shot, VHS shot, um, police uh, procedural video, um, but it also includes racism and it includes all this other stuff, but it's also kind of a dark comedy and it's amazing. But that director insisted that I come up with him for the Q&A after oh, the wow. film he loved audio guide and i was like that's really sweet of you and we both went up there and took questions and it, both times it was very sweet so very nice and how have you been di- now that you're back in australia even though you were you were locked you were trapped in la for 24 hours uh, trying yeah. to get home now in isolation uh how are you how are you coping is it is it stimulating your creative juices are you are you more productive now or are you just have like the biggest case of writer's block, you know, are you getting more ideas or are you struggling a bit? Uh, The opposite. I'm doing extremely well because I'm working less because I have a, I have a day job, which has nothing to do with films. It's just to pay the rent. Um, And it would prevent me from coming home and writing a feature script. So, cause I, I was in lockdown self-isolation for two weeks. I wrote two short scripts going, "This this is the next thing I'm making. I've got it. Even though I should be going to other people to write as I should have learned the first time, but I didn't. Um, but yeah, I, it's made me work a lot harder. I now I'm, I've worked on the next short film and I'm going to have that ready to bit of crowdfunding, a bit of my own, and then a bit of sponsorship. And I'm going to get that shooting hopefully in December. Um, so it made me work harder on scripts, maybe read through scripts and made me think, what am I doing next? Audio guide's doing okay. So what's the next plan? You can't just write on audio guide. You got to go 
what's that other idea? Um, so I've got the next thing ready for the isolation. Right. So it's helped a lot. Awesome. And uh, is it sim- is it like in the same similar, like, you know, like a sci-fi adjacent sort of area like Audio Guide or is it something completely different? Um, it's high concept. It's not quite sci-fi. It does have, it has part magical realism, very little, but it is kind of, I'm going to use the word and I don't want to, or the phrase Black Mirror, it, uh, Twilight Zone-esque. But this one's funnier. This one's more of a comedy, which could backfire, but I'm excited. Right, awesome. Because I guess, yeah, Audio Guide definitely does fall into, and I think a couple of people have said, like, it's very much like a Twilight Zone, Outer Limits, like Black Mirror sort of thing. Yeah. And I guess with uh, my final question, I think to kind of wrap this up, is um, do you think that, like, would you be interested in, like, making Audio Guide, like, kind of adapting it into, like, a feature film? Do you um, think there's any avenues or any ways that that could happen? Yeah. So my initial thing was Lee wrote the script. No way. How could it be that? It's such a, sh- a short concept. And we pretty much, I, in my head, I'm like, oh, we, tra- we covered so much in the short. No way. Then I went to San Jose, um, pardon the rhyme, and they people were going, when's it becoming a feature? And I'm like, I don't know if I have an idea for a feature. I never thought of that. And they go, no, you have to. Isn't this a proof of concept? I'm like, no, it's not a proof of concept. It's a movie. Um, so the initial answer was no, but I've been thinking about it more and more and I might have to go to Lee and go, hey, the, the small demand for this and I have some ideas. I yeah, have like- two, two big ideas for a feature. Um, and I'd make it kind of 80 minutes, 90 minutes max. And yeah. it would be even weirder and even more theatrical in a way and less dialogue. Yeah, like even if you could like somehow like say for the the person that like she points the audio guide to and you find out that she will be murdered by like her abusive partner, maybe yeah. there could be like an obsession that develops of her to try and, you know, like stop this. Yeah. Like that could be yeah. a good one. Kind of like that. Yeah, it's kind of in that vein, but it goes a little too bonkers, me being me. Channeling my inner Southland tales. I'm like, ooh, there could be an in- intermission with some music. <laughs> <laughs> but yes. Um, it. And it's the audio guide scene. Exactly. And then Justin Timberlake shows up and it's like, Chris, we can't give this guy free rate anymore. Um, yes. Uh, so hopefully, maybe. Um, I, I have to do one more short to see because Audio Guide's the first short film that I've done that's done quite well. Well, not quite well, but like people really like it. The other ones I've done have been a little too ambitious, a little too overwritten. Not, they're not amazing. There was two of them were shot on film. Um, and this one's the one that's doing good, but I can't have that be a fluke. I got to try it once more and just see that I'm, I can make a short, not just by a fluke and then jump into features. So that's the plan at the moment. Uh, best of luck to you, Chris. And if, as we said, um, it's pretty, it's, it's making it, I guess, Victorian, but it will, it will be available to watch. Is it just region locked to Australia or can anyone around the world watch it as part of the St Kilda Film Fest? Unfortunately, Australia only. Um, but it will be its Victorian premiere. Like that was the dream was to get into St Kilda and we did. So that's pretty insane. Um, but yeah, from the 4th to the 20th, it'll be available all throughout Australia. Okay. And uh, if they want to see like, I guess, any other short films or to keep up with what you're doing, uh, where can they follow you on social media or on, like, yeah, where, wherever else? Yeah. So... <laughs> I probably shouldn't promote my Twitter account because all it is is Southland Tales and Magic Movement <laughs> XXL. Um, is uh, Christoph underscore Eleanor. I think that's the that's my Twitter handle. And follow the Audio Guide Film Facebook page because that's where a lot of updates are. And the um, Audio Guide Film, at Audio Guide Film Twitter handle as well. And they'll keep you up to date with everything I'm doing and the next short. Mm. Yes. 
And also to people that follow Chris on uh, Twitter as well. And as we mentioned earlier, his Beer Elena Film Club, you are doing a screening of Audio Guide as part of that when during yeah. the, its run at St Kilda Film Fest. Not my idea, um, but yes, it's on the, during its 12th to 20th run on the Thursday night, the 18th, we'll watch it with the other shorts. I'm going to try and contact the other filmmakers and we'll have like a joint screening. Fantastic. So everyone, make sure you get around to that. Make sure you check out Audio Guide sometime between June 12th and 20th on, I guess, yeah, at, at the St Kilda Film Fest. Chris, thanks so much for coming on. Congrats on the film. I really, really loved it and best of luck. Hope it does well at the festival. Thank you, man. Thank you for having me. G'day, guys. Thank you very much for listening into this special episode of Another Bloody Movie Podcast. I mean, we have no schedule. We have no... There is no structure to this show whatsoever. Length-wise, like scheduling-wise, there is no structure whatsoever. So this show is practically anything goes. But in regards to our standards that we set here, this was quite a short episode. Me babbling on about it is making it even longer. But make sure you guys check out Audio Guide. Chris, we had a great chat, as you just heard, and Chris's film really is spectacular. So make sure you check it out at the St Kilda Film Festival from the 12th to the 20th of June. And for more updates on the film, go follow the page on Twitter at Audio Guide Film, and also go find and like the Facebook page. And Chris was a little unsure of his Twitter at in the episode. I've just got it here in front of me. And if you want more updates or to just follow Chris on Twitter, he is at Christoph underscore Elena. That is C-H-R-I-S-T-O-P-H underscore E-L-E-N-A. Make sure you go follow Chris and go follow Audio Guide and support this really, really great little independent short film. It's incredible. In other updates as well, with cinemas set to reopen again in at least in, at least in my state of Victoria on June 22nd, films are starting to come back out in cinemas. We are rejoicing because of that, because that is fantastic. We can go to the cinemas again. And a few of the films that we um, we I reviewed back in the episode about COVID-19 and its effect on cinema with my good friend Glenn Falkenstein, I have some update, updated release info for those films. So as we said, Come to Daddy is already available on VOD platforms and will be out on DVD very shortly, I think sometime, sometime in early June. So keep an eye out for that. Um, uh, Happy New Year, Colin Burstead has fast-tracked their cinema, cinema release and has gone straight to D- VOD platforms and I believe is already on DVD. So if you're interested in seeing Ben Wheatley's Happy New Year, Colin Burstead, I was a little indifferent on it, but you might like it, especially if you're a Ben Wheatley fan. Go check that out. That is available now. Uh, Alea Suleiman film, the Palestinian film that I desperately want to re-watch again, um, didn't go the digital route and is going to be it's going to be released in cinemas on July 2nd. Now that is in a very, very limited release. So make sure you go to Potential Films, Potential Films as a distributor. Make sure you go to their website or check your local cinema listings to see if your film, if your local cinema will be playing it. And the same goes for Monos as well. Definitely needs to be seen on the big screen. It's one of the... I think the few positives of the film is the film looks pretty incredible with these giant sweeping, like, you know, Terrence Malick-esque landscape shots. It's it's quite something to see on the big screen. The film's whatever, but the f- it's good to see on a big screen. And that is going to be coming out in a very, very limited release from June, from the day that cinemas open back up, June 22nd. Uh, head to madmanfilms.com.au for more information on, the, on cinemas that are doing that. Because from my memory, there was only about five cinemas in the country that will be screening that film. So please look out for it. 
Uh, it's definitely for Melbourne fellow Melburnians. It will be playing at Cinema Nova. I do not think it's going to be playing anywhere else. So keep an eye out for that. And now time for the plugs. You know what they are. Subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. We are on Apple Podcasts. We are on Spotify. We are on SoundCloud. Wherever you get your podcast fix, just search for another bloody movie podcast and hit that subscribe button. You can like our Facebook page. You can follow us on Twitter at AB Movie Podcast, and you can follow our Instagram at Another Bloody Movie Pod. You can also follow both of us. But both of us. There's only me. Eric does not have. Eric is not on this episode and Eric does not have social media, but you can follow me both on Instagram and Twitter, both at SeanHub underscore. That is S-E-A-N-H-U-B underscore. My Twitter, my Twitter layout might look a little bit similar. If you uh, have listened to our last episode, or if you listen to our last film fiasco episode, you'll get exactly what my layout is is for. You can also follow me on Letterboxd, letterboxd.com forward slash Sean Coates, just to keep up to date with what I'm watching. Like, I don't get to talk about every film I watch on the podcast because, well, that would just be, you'd get sick of it. I mean, you probably already are sick of the podcast at this point by now, but you would definitely be sick of it if I was just talking about every single film I've ever seen in my entire life. But if you're not, that's what my Letterboxd account is for. But then I also have another place where I do written reviews. That is moviebabble.com. Not moviebabblereviews.com anymore. We now have a new domain. Moviebabble review... No, moviebabble. I just got it wrong. Moviebabble.com is the new home of moviebabble. Rightfully so. Um, I'm working on a couple of pieces for moviebabble at the moment. I'm doing some SFF coverage, which you'll get an episode of on that very shortly. Uh, Sydney Film Fest has gone online, as I discussed with Glenn in an episode we did a few months ago, and I will be covering that both for Movie Babble and here on another Bunny Movie podcast. So I've got two batches of mini reviews that I'll be doing on Movie Babble for that. But thank you very much for listening again, guys. I really appreciate it. Make sure you subscribe. Make sure you follow all the socials, everything, and and stay tuned in the next couple of weeks for not only Sydney Film Festival coverage, but keep a lookout in July for Film Fiasco. There may be something big coming. A big film series we might be finally tackling. Thanks for listening. We'll see you later. Bye-bye.